want to talk to you tonight about something that plagues Christians, and that is the sin that remains in them. We know, we're very much aware of the struggle that goes on in Christians' lives with uh, daily sin and even sometimes serious sin. And I'll tell you what, it's our desire to encourage you if you are going through that struggle. We thank you for joining us tonight. In an age of moral bankruptcy, theological confusion, and aimless religion, we're addressing the need for a Bible-based, intellectual 21st century Christian faith. This is Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. We do welcome you for joining us on Sinners and Saints. I'm Adam Kalustian, a pastor at the Ontario United Reformed Church, in studio with my co-hosts, Moses Shambazian of the Pasadena United Reformed Church, and John Sautel, pastor at the First United Reformed Church in Chino. We're talking about sin in the lives of Christians tonight. And the first point that we want to make is that you ought not to despair when you find sin in your life, uh, as if somehow now you, you cannot be a Christian. Yeah, one of the wonderful things about the Reformed tradition is that it is so Christocentric. It points you away from yourself and to Christ. And that is the thing that we have really been trying to get across to people, is that we need to look away from ourselves. We need to look to Christ. We need to trust Him for deliverance. And that really translates into our daily lives as well. What we need to deal with is that in this life, we're not perfect. We continue to sin. It is the unfortunate reality of where we are because we're not entirely freed from this body of death. But when we sin, how are we to respond to that? How are we to evaluate that? And in many Christian churches, you'll be told the minute anyone finds out that you have a sin, that you're not a Christian, that you need to repent or you're going to hell. And so there's this pressure upon you to lie about your sins and to deny your own sinfulness. So now you're around a bunch of Pharisees and hypocrites and you've become one yourself as much as you might despise it in others. And what we want to do tonight is get you to actually deal with the reality of your sin without fear. You know, one of the beautiful points of the Reformed faith, which has attracted me to it ever since I've been a Christian, is the brutal honesty with which it deals with the human condition, uh, not only fallen in Adam, but also even restored in Christ. And the fact of the matter is, is that our confessions, along with the Word of God, continually point out this fact. You are depraved. You're sinful, and you need to stop sitting around trying to deny it and acting like it's not there. See, and that, that reminds me of something Moses had just said, too. You know, you're in a church where the feeling you get is not that, you know, if you sin once or twice or whatever, you're not a Christian. But the feeling you get is that if you ever kind of struggle with sin, if you sort of understand yourself in your experience to be depraved, as John said, then it's when you're marginalized. And then it's when you get the impression that you're not really a Christian. But, you know, we summarize the basic teaching of the Bible uh, in our, say, the Canons of Dort, one of our confessions, by saying that we are not in this life delivered altogether from the body of sin and from the infirmities of the flesh. In fact, springing forth daily are the sins of our infirmity, and blemishes cleave even to the best of our works. And although the weakness of the flesh cannot prevail against the power of God, it is possible for Christians to be seduced by the lusts of the flesh and obey them. And see, when we face that kind of depravity that faces Christians, we can flee to Christ and receive the, the beautiful and precious pardon of his blood shed for us. The Reformed worship service also is beautiful in that it always brings us all to the same level, as opposed to in most places where you're comparing yourself with others and people are looking down on you if they found out about your sin. 
Our church order says every worship service, we will actually read the law and confess our sins. We're all reduced to the same level, sinners before God, and we confess that we are sinners. And so there's no reason to try to impress others because you're already admitting before God and man, you have failed. It is not anything brilliant. It is just simple biblical Christianity, and that frees you to actually admit who you are, what your needs are, and then, of course, it tells you to look away to Christ for righteousness. Let me tell you why this is so important for you to grasp. It's so important for you to not sit around acting like you've got everything all under control and that you get the Christian life down pat and that there's no more sins for you to conquer. When you begin to grasp the fact that every single day when you wake up, you are a fallen sinner, that you still are going to have to wrestle with sin in your life. When you do that, when you let the law convict you of your sins and show you how far short of the glory of God that you fall, you have placed yourself in the position where you want to be. And that is hungering and thirsting after the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The canons of Dort say, and I think Adam already read this, but this is such a beautiful way of putting it. It says, these sins are perpetual reason to humiliate themselves before God. And this is the key. This is the point I was trying to make. And to flee for refuge to Christ crucified. When you understand your sinfulness, you are in the position now to be humble enough to pursue the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that you can actually grow, which is the very thing that you think you can't do if you sit around acknowledging your sin. You're afraid to admit that because then you're going to be saying, everybody's going to be thinking, well, that's not a very spiritual person over there. Look at how many sins are in their life. But the catechism and the word of God and the canons are simply saying, no, that's exactly how you do grow by looking unto Christ once you've acknowledged your sin and saying, no, I have never kept up that standard which God calls me to keep. Now, some of you might be thinking in the back of your minds that old recording you had heard, oh, those Calvinists, they just want to believe in predestination so that they can go on sinning. And it sounds like we're just doing the same thing here, telling everybody, believe in predestination and the five points of Calvinism, and then you're free to acknowledge you're a sinner, so you may as well go on sinning. But it's nothing like that. We're not telling people to go on sinning. We're telling you we already know we are going on sinning. The question is, what does that mean? Does that mean that we've been abandoned by God, that we've lost our salvation, that we were never saved? And scripture says, no, we are saved and yet in this life, not yet made perfect. In this life, we still have the weaknesses and the infirmities of the flesh, which we will keep until we are glorified. Well, let me speak a little bit back to that critique that you often hear of Calvinism and Calvinist churches, that they, because they believe that uh, Christ is strong enough to conquer sin and that uh, he forgives people even who still are struggling with sin. They say, well, you know, those Calvinists want to sin, so the grace may abound. Well, let me tell you what, the Reformed churches, the Calvinist churches, the true ones, practice church discipline, which you don't see practiced in these churches which are critiquing Calvinism. Church discipline, working in sanctification with the people of God to, uh, to call them to account when they sin, and not just somebody privately going to somebody, but if they don't repent, the church itself making a stand against gross and public sin. This is what Calvinists believe, because we take sin very seriously. It is vile and disgusting, but you know what? Christ came and died for vile and disgusting Christians such as us. Now, when we come back... We're going to talk about some of the practical effects of having sin in our lives. Uh, They're pretty serious. Maybe you are experiencing uh, some of them or love some Christian brother or sister who is. And we'll talk about how God uh, works to keep us in spite of that. Thanks for joining us tonight. You're listening to Sinners and Saints on 99.5 FM, KKLA. 
Hi, this is Reverend John Sautel, pastor of Congregational Life and Outreach at First United Reformed Church of Chino. We are a Protestant, Bible-based, family-oriented church committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are located just off the 60 freeway at Mountain Avenue in Chino. We worship at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. every Sunday. If you'd like more information about our church, give us a call at 866-99-UNITED. That's 866-99-UNITED. We're back on Sinners and Saints. You know you can always get in touch with us by calling 866-99-UNITED, 866-99-UNITED, or log on to the web, www.sinnersaint.org, sinnersaint.org. You can uh, email us questions or ideas for the show, feedback, anything you got. Get in touch with us. We'd uh, love to meet you. We'd also love to be able to shepherd you in one of our churches uh, as you go forward in the Christian life and in your sanctification. Of course, we're talking about uh, sin in the Christian life, a very serious subject. We hate sin. We're disgusted by it. We also recognize at the same time that Christians do struggle with sin. It could be our daily sins, what we tend to think of as smaller sins. It can be uh, serious sins, and all of them are violations of the holy majesty of God. But as God's people, he doesn't let us go. Think about for a minute what happens to a Christian, though, when they sin. Think about some of the effects of uh, serious sins in our lives. Our Canons of Dort, Article 5, or Head 5, Article 5, are discussing the perseverance of the saints, the doctrine as it was being questioned in the Netherlands at the, in the 17th century. In Article 5, we say, By such enormous sins, however, they, referring to the believer who commits sins, very highly offend God, incur a deadly guilt, grieve the Holy Spirit, interrupt the exercise of faith, lose the sense of God's favor until when they change their course by serious repentance, the light of God's fatherly countenance again shines upon them. So you all know what it's like uh, to, to be experiencing some of these things, that, that deadly guilt, as the canons of Dort say, or having a severely or grievously wounded conscience. You know, you lose the sense of God's favor. You begin to question whether or not you're even saved. All right, and often that happens, though, after a long period of willful sinning. It Sometimes you get so steeped in a pattern of sin and a whole series of sins and consequences of sins that you don't even wake up to realize, almost when it's too late, you say, oh, man, what happened? All of a sudden you've got this awareness about you that you no longer have the light of the divine countenance, and then you begin to get really scared, and you say, what am I going to do? How am I going to restore this? How am I going to be received back into God's favor? And quite often, you actually wind up sinning more the more aware you become of your sin because you're so afraid to face God that, number one, you will not go to him in repentance, which is already a sin. But then you continue on in the sin as a means of somehow trying to feel better, trying to forget what's going on. Right. right. Let's just throw caution to the wind because I've already violated his commandments and I'm already reaping the consequences of that sin. So, hey, let's just keep on. Yeah, and I can't go to church and I can't pray because I'm too dirty to do it. I mean, Luther was, was said it best when he said, when you are under a severe temptation, that is the exact time that you need to pray. When you feel the most distant from God, that is exactly when you need to go fleeing to him. You need to go uh, hear his word preached. You need to go sit under the gospel to hear his assurances. He, you need him. That is so important to underscore because I have run into Christians in counseling situations who will say, well, no, I cannot act like a Christian now because I'm a hypocrite. 
I have sinned against uh, so-and-so in this way. I've sinned against God in these ways. So now for me to turn around and to act like a Christian and to pray and to read my Bible and go to church and, and to be in the midst of, of the worship of God's people is hypocritical. And I'm not going to be that way. I'd rather be, I'd rather be a fallen sinner and act out in my sins than be a hypocrite and try to play the part of a Christian. And see, here's where the false theology is so deadly. The theology of that person is, if I'm good, I'm a Christian. If I'm bad, I'm an unbeliever. So if I'm being bad, I'm not a Christian. So you see, Christ is completely forgotten in this. This isn't us saying, oh, go out and sin. We're trying to find an excuse for sinning. We're saying is you completely missed the point of what it means to be a saved sinner. You are a person who is depraved and yet who has been delivered by the grace of God. We assume you're going to sin. That's why we every week provide you the opportunity to confess your sins. See, either you believe that Christ's life and blood was sufficient to cleanse you from your sins or it wasn't. There's no middle category. Either Christ's blood paid for your sins or it didn't. And if you trust him alone for your salvation, he did cleanse you. That's the gospel. And so when you find yourself in sin yet again, what you are going to do, as we read, is realize that you are in desperate need of the gospel and be humbled and look away from yourself and to Christ alone. And then instead of responding self-centeredly, acting out sins, you respond thankfully and with gratitude, giving praise and glory to God so that you are distracted now from sinning. You know, along these lines, one of the most comforting verses in Scripture for me personally and, and other sinners who I've counseled with who are struggling with sin is First John chapter 2, verse 1, when John says, I write these things so that you may not sin. Well, I, I guess that settles it then. We're not supposed to sin as Christians now, right? Well, John goes on to say, and here he presents the heart of the gospel to believers. He says... But if anyone does, as if that were ever in doubt, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who is the propitiation for all of our sins. But you see, you're never going to get the comfort of the gospel until you begin rightly evaluating yourself in light of the law of God, saying, you know what, I don't have to sit here and act like I've got it all in order, and I don't have to sit here and just throw out the pursuit of godliness and of Christ because I am in sin. No, there is a covering for me as a believer in my sins, and that's Christ. Now, I wouldn't be surprised, guys, if uh, there's some listening who are saying, well, that's all good and true and fine, but, you know, my problem is I'm so severely wounded in my conscience. I just can't come to the belief that, that I could be one of God's children because of the sin in my life. We want to give you some examples in the Scripture of some people who are saints who had some serious, willful sins in their life and yet belong to Christ. The two examples that are often utilized are that of David and that of Peter. And I like to talk about Peter first. One of the things that we don't quite realize is we are dealing with God who is a person. He interacts with us, not merely as an objective law standard, but as one who is personally involved. Now consider what Peter did. At the time in which Jesus, the God-man, most needed a friend, any friendly face to stand next to him and say, I support you. I believe in you. Hang in there. Everyone denied him, including his closest friends, especially Peter, who looked him in the eye and denied him. You wind up in this situation where the worst thing that can happen, betrayal has now taken place. And for all of you who have suffered such a betrayal from a friend, you know that that is the toughest one to forgive. The merchant who cheated you, the kid who stole something, you can get over that. But the betrayal you never forget. And yet, 
Peter is the one whom Christ comes to specifically to forgive. And that is something that is absolutely remarkable to consider. You cannot sin against God, against Christ, the way Peter did, because Jesus is not a man on earth right now in need of a friend in a desperate time. So don't think that your sins are so great they can't be forgiven. Peter's was when he betrayed. Yours can be. We've got a break here. Come back. We'll talk more about sin in the Christian life. This is Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. Are you looking for a church that values the Word of God and the rediscovery of its riches in the Protestant Reformation? Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Kalustian. I want to invite you to join us at the Ontario United Reformed Church. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. Take the Euclid Avenue exit off the 60 freeway, go north one block to Philadelphia Street, turn right, and you'll see us. That's the Ontario United Reformed Church, 866-99-UNITED. You're back listening to Sinners and Saints. You can find us on the web at www.sinnersaint.org, sinnersaint.org, or call us at 866-99-UNITED. We're talking about sin in the Christian life, even grievous sin. We talked about Peter. We're also thinking about David. Probably one of the most uh, compelling examples of a, of a real saint falling and falling disastrously and falling in a monumental way, of course, is David. This is one of the things that you got to love about the Bible is it's so brutally honest uh, with, with us about our, even our heroes and pointing out their flaws. This is something unique about the sacred scriptures. But here, David is one who's called a man after God's own heart, and yet everybody knows the scandalous sin which he fell into. It wasn't just that David fell into adultery. But David went so far as to commit murder in order to cover up his sin. So now we have two violations of God's commandments, really gross, heinous sins. And this is something that I think we have to deal with honestly and say, yes, these people's sin is unacceptable. And yet all scriptural evidence is that these men were considered by God to still be believers, elect members of the covenant, but he was disgusted by their sins. It grieved the Holy Spirit. And David, when he writes his Psalm of Confession, Psalm 51, addresses the fact that he is a gross sinner and he prays to God not to withdraw the spirit from him. I think this is a very important point to make because we're not trying to encourage you in your sin. If you're sitting out there hearing this and you're finding relief and you're saying, oh, I can just continue on in my sin. It doesn't matter. Once saved, always saved. That's not the point of this. The point of this is to say, if you are truly a Christian and you have these kinds of sin in your life, what you need to do is deal with it. David was honest. He comes clean before the Lord, and he says, I know my transgression. My sin is always before me. And then he appeals to the blood and righteousness of Christ for the covering for his sin. That's what Christians, that's what real believers do. They don't ignore it. They confess it honestly. Now, what we would encourage you to do is, instead of hiding this or trying to just deal with it privately, why don't you actually handle it the proper biblical way? If you're in these sins and you are continuing in them, it's because you are too weak to get out of it. You need to be under the means of grace where God's spirit will work in you. And when you come and talk to us, we know these sins are present in the Christian life. Sadly, many of these sins are present in our churches, and yet we are able to acknowledge them honestly and deal with them. We are able to get people to confess, truly repent before God because the spirit is going to work in them. You're not going to shock us with these things. See, here's what you'll find if uh, you come to one of our churches. You'll find people who are honest about their sinfulness. 
you'll find a leadership in the church who's on the one hand not willing to tolerate sin, but on the other hand willing to uh, treat people with dignity and respect as brothers and sisters in the Lord who are struggling with sin. What you won't find is a preaching that makes you feel like you never quite measure up to the level of spirituality that uh, obviously everybody else sitting around you in the benches has achieved. Uh, What you won't find is some quick five-step process to sort of conquering all of the sin in your life. This kind of, of church life and this kind of teaching is offensive to the true gospel and the real struggles of, with sanctification that Christians have in their lives. But what you will hear is a particular truth which is at the bedrock of the Reformed faith, and that is this wonderful doctrine of the preservation of the saints. Notice I didn't say perseverance of the saints, I said preservation of the saints, because that's exactly what we mean as Calvinists. The Canons of Dort reads, God does not wholly withdraw the Holy Spirit from his own people, even in their grievous falls, nor does he allow them to proceed so far as to lose the grace of adoption and forfeit the state of justification. You see, what you're going to hear is that God is a loving Father, and that God in his sovereignty still upholds even the fallen sinner in his sins, and he calls them back to him in loving compassion, and he continues to pour out his mercy and grace upon them, even when they don't deserve it. That is a message which you need to hear. And the Apostle Paul, writing Romans 7, acknowledging that he keeps on doing the things he does not want to do, this constant struggle that remains between the spirit and the flesh, at the end says, who will free me from this body of death? Praise be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the thing that we have to acknowledge. All the days of our lives, we are going to struggle. The apostles struggled. The saints before them struggled. We struggle And yet we know there is final deliverance, glorification according to the will of God. You know what? Satan hates this truth. The last thing Satan wants is for you to be encouraged to flee back to Christ and to fight your sin. You know what? The world ridicules this doctrine. Ignorant and hypocritical people abuse it, and heretics oppose it. But the bride of Christ has always most tenderly loved and constantly defended it as an inestimable treasure. And God, against whom neither counsel nor strength can prevail, will dispose her so to continue to the end. Now to this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who will preserve you in spite of your sin, be honor and glory forever. We'll see you next week. Join us next week as we tackle more topics with the truth of God's Word on Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. For more information, call 866-99-UNITED or log on to the web at urcsocal.org. That's 866-99-UNITED. Reformation Radio. Theology with an edge. Come to worship God at the Pasadena United Reformed Church. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Hear the gospel faithfully preached. Rejoice in the God of your salvation. Come and join us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. We are located at 226 West Colorado in Arcadia off the Santa Anita exit of the 210 freeway. Call us at 866-99-UNITED or visit us at urcsocal.org. 
Hi, this is Pastor Biro of Grace Evangelical Church in Torrance. We are a new Reformed church serving all of South Bay. As a member of the United Reformed Churches of North America, Grace Evangelical Church emphasizes the preaching of the gospel, weekly administration of the Lord's Supper, catechism of our children, and emphasis on the singing of the Psalms, all in a family-friendly atmosphere. Come, worship with us. You can reach us at area code 310-782-7019.